All right, Matthew, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. Matthew, fifth chapter, verses 1 through 16. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. (laughs) And then he goes into a section that I didn't go into on this last week. About being persecuted. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And then he adds this. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Hmm. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Last verse. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I'm going to speak to you today from the sermon title simply, Good Works. Good works. Now, when I read all of that, I thought that several different sermons that Jesus was actually teaching, but this is actually one sermon. We break it up from Matthew 5, uh, 5 all the way to 7. The interesting thing here is, is that I'm going to kind of delve into some of these verses and just explain some things. But this is Jesus' first sermon that he preaches. And he's saying some things to the body of Christ that we all need to know. We all need to take account of. But the sermon is not disjointed. There's a flow. We break it up in chapters and subheadings and titles, whatever have you, just to kind of give us a foothold where we can understand what's being said and take it apart piece by piece. But some things were, uh, when I studied this, I was amazed by what Jesus is actually saying and why he said it. Amen? So let's go again, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. Those who are sorry about sin. Those who have committed 
sin and are sorry about the sin in this world, sorry about the world rejecting Jesus Christ, sorry that this world was made by Jesus Christ and this world will have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. So not just mourning for sorrowful situations, but actually sorry about how Jesus feels about this world and about what we have done in this world. We mourn, we are saddened. And it says, for we shall be comforted and we will be, return- we will be comforted when the king returns. Amen? And blessed are those, verse 5, who are humble, as the KJV says, the meek, those who are power under control. They have the ability to be gentle when they could be harsh or brutal. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and they will inherit the whole earth. Amen? And then verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness or justice. They crave righteousness. They want to see justice done. They want to see holiness in their own lives. They want to see honesty and integrity and justice uh, in society. They look for practical holiness in their own lives and they look for practical holiness in the church. He says, they will be satisfied. When will they be satisfied? They will be satisfied again when the king returns. They will finally see this earth as it was intended to be. Paradise will happen because God's people are finally doing what their their creator commanded them to do. Amen? And in verse 7, it says, blessed are the merciful, those who show mercy, those who withhold punishment from the offenders who definitely deserve it, those who help others and show mercy. So you're, in one sense, being kind to people who don't deserve that kindness. And then at the same time, on the other side of that mercy, you are seeing a need and helping those who are in need. Amen? You're not ignoring the needs of others. Amen? And it says that they will be shown mercy. God will withhold his judgment from those who have been merciful, of course, when the king returns, but also we will be shown mercy here on earth. Amen? So there are some favorable things that will happen to you. I don't know about you, but there's some things that have gone down that could have gone another way. And we don't know what God did or how he did it, but we know he was involved because if it hadn't had it been for anybody else to help us, we would have been shown up in trouble. And the mercy we received on this planet, not just when we get to heaven, the mercy we received on this planet was something we knew good and well we did not deserve. But God showed up, he showed out on time, and then before you know it, we, were, we got through a situation where we should have been trapped We got out of a situation where we should have been held back. We've been given favor. Come on, somebody. When when we know we didn't deserve it, we got jobs and all kinds of situations just because of the mercy of God. And he said, blessed are those who show mercy. The merciful. Because you will receive mercy. Amen? Blessed are those who who are the pure in heart, whose hearts are pure. Those who have unmixed motives, those who do not have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Those who want to see the will of God done here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Huh? In the earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. He says, for they shall be, receive God. They shall, excuse me, they shall see God. They shall see Jesus face to face. Amen? Those who have 
pure motives. I just want to see God's will done. Amen? Amen. Blessed are those who work for peace, those who intervene in trouble and find peaceful solutions instead of sitting back and allowing strife and contention to win the day. He says, they shall be called the children of God. Those of us who actually display the attributes, the character of God. Because when we enter into a situation, we bring peace. We don't agitate the situation. We don't frustrate the situation. We don't make things worse. Amen. We shall be called the children of God. Why? Because we act like our daddy. Amen. It'll be obvious. Then... Let's pick up from here. This is where I left off this week. Let's pick up from here. Then Jesus says something rather interesting. He says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Amen. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Basically saying that we're going to suffer. We're going to have some enemies. We're going to have people that don't agree with us. They're going, we're going to have folks that will look at us sideways because of the Jesus that we believe in. He's basically saying, listen, they don't lose heart because they did that to my prophets that I sent way before you showed up. In other words, you're going to get your turn. You're going to deal with persecution. There's no way around it. If you are connected to Christ and you're on this planet, you're going to deal with persecution. Just get in line. It's a part of it. If you will suffer with him, you will reign with him. Amen? Amen. So when I was looking at this scripture in this passage, I was saying to myself, now, I think I can kind of get the connection between verses 1 to 12. But then 13 comes and it says, ye are the salt of the earth. Almost as if Jesus just took a sidebar and started talking about something and focusing on something that he wasn't talking about before. Like he, maybe he saw something and just started to preach on it, you know. I don't know. But that's how I always, I've always seen this passage this way. It's like, why did you go into, you are the salt of the earth after bless, 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 you are the salt of the earth. It never really made a lot of sense to me. Let me just read the passage, and then I'm going to try to hopefully give you what the Lord gave me, and I'm not going to be up here long. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. Then he takes it further. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
So I did some digging. And I found something that was very, very encouraging, but also extremely significant. When it says here, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, a lot of us would kind of connect that salt to like when I go to a soul food restaurant. And soul food restaurants, I'm just going to take a little spin here for a minute. Soul food restaurants, more than likely, they know how to season their food. And you get there and they got the salt on the table anyway. And you, you don't die of hypertension. <laughs> but they got the salt. And when I think of the salt of the earth, you know, my mind instantly thinks of like table salt. Okay? And salt renders food pleasant. You know, nobody wants some bland, dried out chicken. So the first thought is that Christians ought to have such an effect, thank you, Lord, to where things just go, woo. You know, a dry piece of chicken doesn't make you go, now I have more of that. But if it's juicy and tender and it's just the right amount of seasoning on it, everything just, just right, you go, whoa, I'll take another bite of that. Christians, just at face value, first of all, just, just looking at it, just simple observation, we should make things more palatable, okay? And then I've taught you before that the other side of this is where salt is used as a preserve. It stops things from decaying, okay? So yeah, I get it, Pastor. You know, Christians by our lives and instructions are to keep the world from total chaos and moral corruption, Okay, we, that's what we should be doing. Amen. And we do that by bringing the blessing down from God in our prayers. We pray over a situation, you know. Let's just say we work in an Amazon. There's just some things that are not going to jump off so easily. Is there a bunch of Christians lifting boxes? <laughs> it shouldn't go that way. Is it, wait a minute, we got Christians up in here. But let's think twice about how we do this. They ain't going to go for that, you know. Something like that. We pray the will of God. We want that to be done. We bring salt to a situation by our influence. That's good. Thank you, Lord. We bring salt to a situation by our example of our lives. Amen? Uh, we, in a sense, hold back universal decay. Just because we are on the planet being like Christ, and hopefully being salty. Amen? Amen. But the salt can lose its savor. And I was saying to myself, now how is it possible for lorries to suddenly not work? <laughs> how is this possible? You put the lorries on the garlic salt and it's, you know, it's never not worked. So what are you talking about, Jesus? Well, it's a different kind of salt. That was the first thing that I had to decode. It's not the same kind of salt. Amen? The salt that's used in our country is a chemical compound, chloride of sodium, and if its saltiness were lost, then 
that basically means that somehow we, you know, it, it didn't work or, or, or somehow that when you pour the salt on, on, on the chicken, you know, you ever notice that you don't see it anymore? It kind of dissolves, right? It dissolves into whatever the food is. So, so you know, if the salt it loses its savor, you know, it, it evaporates into nothing and it kind of blends into what's happening there. It enters by nature into the very substance of what it is put on. It dissolves. It, as it touches a certain thing, it disappears. But long ago in the eastern countries where we are not raised, <laughs> it's a completely different kind of salt that we're talking about. So you have to go back. You cannot superimpose 2023 or you know, the 70s when I was born on top of the Bible. You've got to go back further. Okay? And let the Bible kind of speak to us in a very timeless way. Help me, Holy Spirit. In Eastern countries, however, the salt that was used was impure. It was intermingled with vegetable or earthly substances. So that the whole of its saltiness uh, and a considerable quantity of the earthly matter remained inside the salt. So this was basically meaning that it was, at a certain point in time, good for nothing. Okay? And what ended up happening is a guy who did a government contract and said he wanted to bring a bunch of salt in, and they put the salt, this kind of, you know, old school salt from the, that intermingled with, uh, with the dirt and the vegetable and the, and the ground, and they said, we're going to store it in these houses. And they stored the bunch of, a bunch of salt in these houses somewhere up in the mountains. And they came back and they thought they were going to use the salt again. To their surprise, they got what looked like salt, but the salt had lost its savor. It no longer worked. It was no longer salty. So at that point, what ended up happening is that the salt gets exposed to the elements. And the salt gets exposed to the rain and the, <laughs> and, the, and the earth and the sun beats down on the salt. Okay? And so what ends up happening is, is eventually the people, what they did is they said the salt was useless. So they took the salt, all the salt that they had stored in these houses, and they threw it out on the road. And they actually started using the salt as pavement. It was good for nothing but to be trodden underfoot. Are you remembering the scripture? So all people could do, they couldn't use it for their food anymore. All it was good for was the bottom of your shoe. It had lost its purpose. What happened? Well, it got mixed in with a bunch of other stuff that should not be there. It was mixed in with the vegetables, mixed in with the dirt, mixed in with the ground, mixed in with the world. And the closer it got to the world, the more entangled it got in the world, the more it lost its saltiness. And it was good for nothing. It would affect nothing. You pour it on the food and nothing would happen. No wow factor. Why? Because it was intertangled, it was in, intermingled with a bunch of stuff that it was not, never supposed to get that, come that much in contact with. And if it came in contact, it should have had an effect on it. But the more you get into the world... then the saltiness goes away. The effect goes away. Are you hearing me? And then here comes the persecution. 
Here comes the persecution. What happens when it's exposed into the elements? You got the sun and the rain and, and it's beating down on, on, on the salt and, and, and it's, just, it's, it's dissolving it and causing it to lose its, its, its flavor. Satan brings attacks, persecution, in order to beat down and dry out and run, rinse off the effect of the saltiness of the, of the believer. So he, he wants to attack our steadfastness. He wants to keep us from doing the good works that we are destined to do, that we were purposed here to do. So what ends up happening? He just throws a bunch of situations at you. To where you're so busy fighting for yourself, you forgot why you were actually here. So when Jesus says, blessed, 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 and then all of a sudden he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake, he's actually trying to encourage you not to lose your saltiness. Just because Satan is beating you up, don't forget why you're here. Uh, are you hearing me, saints? Satan attempts to wear out the believers to the point to where they are too dis- exhausted or distracted by their own problems to focus on the agenda of Christ. That's why this verse at persecution comes here. The salt is not mainly about food, people. It's really referring to staying focused. It's really referring to you, you are blessed in this world to be a blessing to this world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when you're going through all kinds of situations on your job and, and you don't lose heart. When you're going through situations in your family and your marriage, don't lose heart. When you're going through situations in your church, don't lose heart. If Satan's attacking you, it's because he knows you're blessed. And he wants to beat down on you till you shut up your mouth and don't tell anybody about Jesus. So you don't affect this world with the blessing that God has given you. Come on, I want somebody to get this. The idea is to stop you from doing what Jesus has created you to do. And here's the amazing part. They did some research and they said, now with this interesting salt that they did from way back in the long ago, they said most of the time the salt came from rocky places and rocky, you know, surfaces, you know, the salty, salty seeds or whatever have you, and all those kind of things. And so what they found out is that the places where the salt was carried off and intermingled with the earth and all that kind of stuff, it lost its savor. But the salt that stayed next to the rock. <laughs> the salt that was close to the rock, the, the salt that was leaning on the rock, the salt that was in the rock, the salt that was by the rock never lost its flavor. So when you keep your mind on Jesus, uh, if you set your mind on things above and not on the earth beneath, when you keep your mind on Jesus, you never lose your effectiveness. You never lose your zeal. You can get up here tired and do what you got to do. It doesn't make a difference. You're not going to let the devil stop you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stay connected to the rock. And you won't be born, worn out by Satan's attempts to beat you down with persecutions and trials and situations and circumstances. Stay connected to the rock. Otherwise, Satan will attempt to drown out your effectiveness with the elements. Are you hearing me? All right. Now, 
in one sense, we got to be careful that if we intermingle in the earth, we could lose our saltiness. But here comes the balance. The balance, right after that, Jesus, see, Jesus is so smart. <laughs> he knows our human nature. He knows, okay, well, then if you tell us to do this, we're going to run way over here. If you tell us to do that, we're going to run way over there. Jesus says in the very next verse, you're the light of the world. Are you hearing me? So don't become too worldly and keep your minds on the things that Jesus wants you to have your mind on. But it doesn't mean you take your salt or your light and hide it from the world. That's out of balance. Okay? Just because, see, the, the next verse says, let your light so shine. So stay connected to Jesus so you don't get corrupted. But the idea is not for you to take your light and turn, you know, don't get saved and turn into some 2022 monk. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. He's saying you got to use this light. You got to use the salt. The salt and the light have to come into contact in order to make a difference. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you know, get into, you know, some people take it so far. Well, we don't touch the world. We don't get into this. We don't do this. We don't, nah, we, we, we're going to stay away from this, stay away from that. Yes, come out from among them. I agree with all that. But if Jesus, see, here's the thing, saints. If the church goes into a cave, then how much light are we really going to see? Think about it. That's why he's giving the balance here. Stay connected to me. Don't get corrupted. Don't let Satan beat you down to the point to where you lose focus of why you're here. And I'm sending you in the places where your light will be more seen. Because you're set on a hill for a purpose. You can't hide the city. I want it seen. Are you hearing me, saints? So when you get into your little rigidity thing that you do and you don't want to, you know, associate with anybody, that's not just like you. Okay, I'm just going to end it right here. I was at a cafe, and one of the things I do, Pastor Tom has his place. He had this place called Merits. I don't know if you all remember that. And Pastor Tom was sitting, he was the pastor of Merits Cafe. Well, I'm the pastor of this other uh, cafe out here in El Sobrani. And they see me and they come in with my Bible. And a few, you know, older guys, you know, they come in with their Bibles. And several of us, you know, some guys are ministers, whatever have you. But I'm always in there reading my Bible. And one of the guys, bless his heart, he's an older gentleman. He's a Christian. I know he's a Christian. I really believe he is a Christian. But he comes up to me and he says something like, so you're a conservative, aren't you? I said, pretty much, yeah, I have conservative views. I'm, I'm a Christian guy. I have pretty conservative views. He said, what do you believe about this issue, that issue, and this issue, and that issue? I said, well, you know, I would totally agree with you. But there's something about his attitude. Something, he seems like he's upset and not joyful, like he's on, he's got his claws out, so to speak. The fight or flight kind of energy coming because he didn't like the way the elections went. He was thinking that something would happen with his side. And I was saying, you know, I, okay, you know, I hear what you're saying. And I'm sorry you're disappointed. I said, but if you're going to be a Christian about this, you, you, you're giving off this energy like you don't associate with certain folks depending on their, their non-conservative answer. 
Because I told him, I said, I am. You know, he, he wanted to check out and make sure I was one of him. <laughs> and I was like, well, I have some similar views. But, and I tried my best, but he was going on a tangent. I was, like, try to say, I was trying to say, yes, but you can't be this nasty with it. You understand what I'm saying? Because what good are you going to be with all that light? And you got the right answer. But you don't want to associate with anybody that's not like you. And your energy is off. The vibe is wrong. This, this is not even what Jesus did. Jesus didn't change his mind about how he felt about things, but he didn't run from the people that were not like him. Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? There's something wrong with that. So here's the thing. We are enlightened so that we may use that light for the benefit of others. Let your holy life, your pure conversation, your faithful instruction be everywhere seen and known. Always in all societies, in all business, in, at home and abroad, in prosperity, in adversity, when, you, when you're up, when you're down, let people see the Jesus in you. Okay? That way that people will know that you're real Christians, not dependent on your circumstances. Not dependent on, you know, all these other secondary things. Okay, we have to have some consistency. Let your light shine so the folks will see your good works and glorify the Father in, which is in heaven. I'm going to give you some scriptures and I'm going to end this. Acts 10, 36, 38. Acts 10, 36, 38. This is a message of the good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea. Beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And, verse 38 is key, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was in him. Jesus did good. Salt. Light. Amen? Affecting the situation. Next scripture. John 14, 11. John 14, 11 and 12. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me or else, this is Jesus talking, believe me for the very work's sake. He's seeing it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. What I'm trying to say here, saints, is I think that there is something that God wants us to not just say but do. Are you hearing me? What are the good works? Is it just preaching and giving the gospel? That isn't, that's must, that's unnecessary. People don't get saved unless they hear the truth. But what we see here, a lot of times, is Jesus preached and he did good works. He didn't just do good works, he didn't just preach. He didn't just preach, he did the good works. He would come in, sometimes his miracles would set up the healing, or set up the preaching. And then sometimes the, the, the miracles and stuff like that would be after the preaching. But they were both. Are you hearing me? Okay? So 
it, here's the thing. What should we be doing today? Is the world missing out on our truthful message because we stopped focusing on the other command, which is to do good works? It's one thing for me to come and preach to you and tell you everything that I think you ought to do right. But I don't see your need. I don't help you. I don't pour salt on the situation and make it better. There's no light being shown here. I just preach, 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 preach. If you got a whole generation of folks who have heard preach, 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 and ain't seen nothing in nobody's lives. And the back door is open wide out. I mean, I'm, I just talked to a pastor this week. Amazingly. He was like saying, you know, we preach, preach, preach. He said, but their children left the church. What's happening? I need to see something. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. Now, let me see him work in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We must not forget that when we said, let your light shine, amen, so others will see your good works. That word means occupation. That word means getting busy. That word means doing something. It means performance. It it doesn't have very much to do with speaking. (laughs) I'm not, hear me again. Preach the gospel. Study your word. Study to show that self approve. Rightly divide the word. Okay? That is true. And then do something. Do something. Help somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Acts 9.36. Acts 9.36. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always what? Doing kind things for others and helping the poor. Titus 2.14. Titus 2.14. One of my favorite scriptures. Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Good works, not just doing things, but doing things God's way. That's rather interesting. I wonder why you did that. I would have never thought anybody in the office would have done that or would have said that. Wow. That's interesting. Now you've gotten my attention. Now what you want to preach? (laughs) What you want to say? Somehow I can hear you now. You hear it? Hmm? Zealous of good works. Titus 3.8. Titus 3.8. This is a faithful saying. In these things I will that thou affirm constantly. In other words, teach these things over and over again. Constantly. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Wow. These things are good and profitable unto men. Are you seeing it? Titus 3.14. Titus 3.14. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Did did you catch that? It's simple. It's not 
extra biblical. It's just what Jesus did. It's what he did. First Peter 2, 12. First Peter 2 and 12, almost done. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they might, or they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. They're going to say, wow, God is no joke. Why? Because of how you and I participated in the kingdom while we were here on this earth, doing the things that Jesus called us to do. They will glorify God by you doing your part. You're here for a reason. Last scripture and I'm done. Hebrews 10, 24. Hebrews 10, 24. Slightly different translation because I just want you to see this a little differently. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. If I'm not mistaken, this is talking about the assembly of the brethren when we get together and we are actually supposed to get together and we don't just get here to deal with our weak and hear a word from on high so that we can feel better. Oh, I need a word from the Lord. Oh, I need... Uh, I don't, who's preaching this Sunday? Because I, I... It better be good. Because, whoo! I need a word. Okay, that is true. I'm not taking anything away from that. The last month I've had, I've needed a word. And I'm the one that got to preach. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? But that's the only part. Hey, the other side of it is that let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So we don't just come to church to hear the pastor's sermon that will bless us. We come to motivate one another. <gasps> I'm going to say that again. We don't just come to get a blessing. They're over there. They're cute. They got nice dresses. I'm up here. Thank you. I know they're terribly distracted. Sister Pastor got them looking so good. (laughs) Here's the thing. Yes, I get in my car in the morning. I'm on my way to sing to Jesus. I'm going to be in the assembly of the brethren. Pastor or Brother Boxing or whoever up here, they're going to preach. And after I do that, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to find somebody and strategize with somebody, encourage somebody to act like Jesus when we leave during the rest of the week. Whoa! Is something missing? Are we, when I saw this, I said, wait a minute, I don't think we're doing that. I haven't had a meeting with not one of y'all. About, wait a minute, what can I do this week? What you going to do this week? Well, you know, there's some neighbors over there. You know, I'm going to cook them a pie. Maybe I'm going to send them a track. Or maybe I can go over there and help them out with a certain situation, you know, so they can be totally, as Jesus said, perplexed by your actions, by your good works. What made them do that? That makes absolutely no sense to me. They're a strange group of people, I tell you. Peculiar, always zealous, trying to help somebody, always trying to do something. That's really interesting. They came into the situation, they were peacemakers. I, 
Everybody else was upset. They had a completely different spirit. Huh? Huh? Blessed are they. Who are they? They shall be called what? The children of God. They, man, they're acting like somebody. Who are they acting like? Our father. Here is the power of the church. You understand what I'm saying? The message is necessary. The lifestyle must accompany the message. The desire. So if we don't have this desire, as Brother David Box is always saying, we need to pray for it. Lord, help me when I come to church to really think about how I'm going to affect people when I leave this church. How I'm going to affect my, my cousins and them. You know, in them. Because you know, they ha- you know how they are. <laughs> how am I going to help them? I used to be part of them. And now the Lord didn't save me. I'm not, they're, now they're just my cousins in them. But not, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying. Help me, Lord Jesus. How, do I, how am I going to be effective with them? How are people going to see my good works and glorify you, God, in heaven? That is the other part. Good work. I'm done.